Hello, this is Dr. Doug Wyatt, and this is the podcast series, Considering Christianity as a Scientist. And we continue with podcast 13, where we consider the teachings of Jesus. In our previous several podcasts, we have considered the teachings of Jesus, first from his parables, then from his direct teaching while he spoke with individuals in front of a crowd or spoke to crowds. And now we're going to consider the teachings of Jesus after he has reached Jerusalem in the last few days before his crucifixion and burial. We begin where Jesus has entered Jerusalem. He entered triumphantly with many of his followers, treated as a king, which really upset the religious leaders of the day. And as had been his practice the many times before when he had been to Jerusalem, he went straight to the temple to begin to teach. He was very comfortable in the temple. He was known in the temple. And many of his followers would look for him there or hear that Jesus However they might refer to him, the carpenter's son, the healer, the physician, Jesus was at the temple and he began to teach. And some of these teachings and some of these sayings are what we discuss in this podcast leading up to his trial and crucifixion. As we previously discussed, Jesus and his disciples entered Jerusalem right before the Passover week. As Jesus and his disciples entered Jerusalem and Jesus was at the temple and where the crowds were gathered to be with him, he began to immediately teach. He predicts his death in one event, and I am reading for this podcast from the book of John. Now, there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the feast. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. And Jesus replied, and this is a very telling statement. He's again predicting his death and explaining or beginning to explain how all of this is going to work. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the son of man to be glorified. I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. Now my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And the Bible records that, Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus replied, This voice 
wants for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. But I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. The Bible records Jesus as saying this to show them what type of death he was going to die. Then the crowd spoke up. We have heard from the law that the Christ will remain forever. So how can you say the son of man must be lifted up? Who is this son of man? Then Jesus told them, you are going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. The man who walks in the dark does not know where he is going. Put your trust in the light while you have it so that you may become sons of light. After Jesus said these things, he left them. At this time, many of the Jewish leaders were beginning to believe in Jesus, but there were still the hardcore, those that did not. Jesus is recorded as teaching in this scenario these words. Yet at the same time, many among the leaders believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved praise from men more than praise from God. Then Jesus cried out and said these words, When a man believes in me, he does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. When he looks at me, he sees the one who sent me. I have come into the world as a light, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. As for the person who hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save it. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. That very word which I spoke will condemn him at the last day. As for the person who hears my words, but does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save it. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. That very word which I spoke will condemn him at the last day. For I did not speak of my own accord, but the Father who sent me commanded me what to say and how to say it. I know that this command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. If you have followed our series of podcasts leading up to this one, you'll know that Jesus' teaching changed a little bit the closer he got to this part of his life, closer he got to his trial and crucifixion. And he got a little more specific, a little edgier, a little more direct, even though he was speaking at a very high level relative to the theology of the day. He was being very direct. Yes, I am from God. Yes, I am the son of God. Yes, what I'm saying comes from God, and yes, you must believe me if you want to be saved. Very specific. Then Jesus did something physically as an act of service and teaching. It was teaching through an act and an explanation. He began to wash his disciples' feet. Everybody was confused. He was the master. He was the teacher. He was the rabbi. Yet he was washing his disciples' feet. And when he came to Peter, Simon Peter, he said, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. 
No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Peter was trying to be subordinate. This was an act of obedience to Jesus. He did not want his master to wash his feet. He thought that would be unseemly, the wrong thing to do. But Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Peter replied, then Lord, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered to that. A person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you, because Jesus' betrayer, Judas, was also in this crowd. And that's what Jesus was referring to. And then when Jesus had finished washing his feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. And he said this, Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And then Jesus goes again and and continues his teaching, talking about his betrayer, who was also still with him. Further on, and we have talked about this before, Jesus predicted Peter's denial, which is a a wonderful story of the efforts of even your strongest followers, the strongest followers of Christ being only human and being scared and failing to admit the truth. After Judas betrayed Jesus, Jesus actually told him, what you're about to do, do quickly. Then Jesus predicted Peter's denial And he said these words, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. He said this because the betrayal of Judas had set in motion his final few hours. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The disciples really still had a hard time understanding what Jesus was inferring, what Jesus was talking about. It was inconceivable to them what was about to happen. In the origin of Christianity is a remarkable thought that I hope we come back to later. Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? I tell you the truth before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Then Jesus spoke to comfort his disciples. They could sense what was going to happen. They could sense the tension in the air. They could sense Jesus's nervousness. And he was nervous, and he says this, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. And then Thomas, later of Doubting Thomas fame, 
said, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? They still questioned. They still did not understand the importance of the events that were about to happen. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. His disciples still questioned, and Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. So they, they wanted to see God. You know, they still were seeking that hard, firm, incontrovertible proof of what Jesus was saying. Their faith had not quite gotten to the point where it should be. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. Talking about the spirit of truth. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you will also live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obey them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, another of his disciples, and not the Judas Iscariot, the traitor, asked this question, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you love me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not speak with you much longer, for the Prince of this world is coming. He has no hold on me, 
but the world must learn that I love the Father and that I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. Jesus then makes the teaching of comparing himself and his disciples to the vine and the branches. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. The vine and the branches is a very apt analogy for the growth of Christianity and very practical, a very practical analogy. Then Jesus gives further instructions and information to his disciples that if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first and goes on to describe what would happen with them. Then Jesus goes on to describe the work of the Holy Spirit that he was going to send to them for the future. He then describes and tells the disciples that they will be grieving, they will be sad, they will be hurt, they will be in mourning after his death, but that their grief would then turn to joy. And Jesus makes a very interesting statement that actually describes his knowledge of his teaching approach up to this point. And he's, he's quoted as saying, Though I have been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but will tell you plainly about my Father. In that day you will ask in my name. I am not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you love, have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and entered this world now I am leaving the world and going back to the Father. In the process of all of these discussions, the disciples finally had their aha moment. Then Jesus' disciples said, Now you are speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. Jesus says, you believe at last, but a time is coming and has come when you will be scattered each to his own home. You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus then prays, and the Bible records his prayers and his prayer technique. He went to be alone in a place where only he and God could be together. But there are three prayers listed sequentially that are recorded from Jesus at this time. Jesus prays for himself. Here is his prayer. Father, the time has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those that you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. He continues this prayer, but it's often viewed sometimes as a separate prayer since most Bibles break this up, but it is probably a continual prayer. 
And he says in the prayer, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I had come from you and they believe that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word and the world has hated them and they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Jesus continues with this prayer. My prayer is not for them alone. I will also pray for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. After this prayer, Jesus is arrested. It's interesting to remember that Jesus was arrested by the religious police. It is thought that the soldiers referred to here were the temple guard. In the next little bit of time, it's recorded that Jesus is taken before a couple of different officials, then to the high priest, that Peter denied him as people were asking him, aren't you with Jesus during this time? And the high priest kept questioning Jesus about his teaching and about his disciples and about their teaching. Jesus replied to them, I have spoken openly to the world. I always taught in synagogues or at the temple where all the Jews come together. I said nothing in secret. Why question me? Ask those who heard me. Surely they know what I said. They didn't like that Jesus said that. He said, basically told them they should know. They were looking for ways to demean him. 
And one of them got angry and struck Jesus and questioned if this was the proper way for Jesus to answer the high priest. This shows some of the haughtiness and the worldliness that had crept into the religious system of the day. And they asked Jesus about that. Jesus said, if I said something wrong, testify as to what is wrong. But if I spoke the truth, why did you strike me? Jesus did not back down. The lump sum of Jesus's time before the high priest was that they could not pin a crime on him. They could not find anything to accuse him of, and they were furious about that. So they decided to take them to the civic officials, the Roman governor, Pilate. Pilate is well known in history, and there are other chronicles recording the life and events of Pilate. So they took him to Pilate. Pilate agreed to see him, and I can see Pilate rolling his eyes, trying to satisfy the civic unrest that was going on caused by the religious authorities. And the religious authorities wanted to execute Jesus, but they had no crime. So they, they, they wanted to commit murder. They wanted to get rid of him. And so they took him to Pilate because only the civic authorities could do that. And Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus asked him, is that your own idea or did others talk to you about me? And Pilate replied, am I a Jew? It was your own people and your chief priest who handed you over to me. What is it you have done? You know, he did not know. He found really no crime in Jesus. But he asked that question. And Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. And then Pilate goes, so you are a king then? Jesus answered, you are right in saying that I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And then Pilate has that famous statement recording in history, what is truth? And for a Roman-educated person who had served and worshipped under many gods and who had seen how the world and the government and all the political corruption that existed worked, truth was probably a question in his mind. But he found a little bit of truth in this, and he told the Jews, I find no basis for a charge against him, but it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover, do you want me to release the king of the Jews? People believe, and I believe, that Pilate really wanted to release Jesus. Well, Jesus had to be crucified. It was prophesied, and it was part of God's plan. And so the Jews chose for a convicted murderer to be released and for Jesus to remain in prison and be sentenced by the Roman civic authority. And Pilate is quoted as saying, you take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. So Pilate was basically acquiescing to the Jewish belief system at the time. The Jews replied back to Pilate because they were really wanting a charge from Pilate. We have a law, and according to that law, he must die because he claimed to be the son of God. When Pilate heard that, he was afraid. And so he went back in to talk to Jesus. He asked Jesus where he came from. Jesus did not answer. He asked Jesus, do you refuse to speak to me? 
told Jesus, do you not realize I have the power to set you free or to crucify you? And Jesus replied, his last statement before the crucifixion, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. And Pilate accepted that statement and tried to set Jesus free. So the priest replied to Pilate with the uh, one piece of political bias that Pilate could not ignore. And they told him, if you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. This was very disingenuous by the priest because they did not support Caesar due to religious reasons, nor could they due to religious reasons. But yet they used that as their bias so that Pilate would have to rule in their favor. After this point, Pilate sat on the judgment seat and sentenced Jesus to be crucified. Jesus was handed over to the Roman guard who would be responsible for crucifying him. They whipped him and abused him, made fun of him, had sport with him, and then took Jesus to the place where he was going to be crucified. He had to carry his own cross, his own wooden scaffold, to the place where he was going to be crucified. Roman crucifixion was a method of punishment by death. It was a method of humiliation, and it was a method of intimidation. It was sort of state-sponsored abuse so that people would not want to be crucified. They would toe the line. It was ugly, it was brutal, and it was very public and something that people would never want to be part of. John records Jesus' only statements as dealing with his family matters, making sure his mother had someone to take care of her. There are several other statements that Luke and Matthew and Mark record as Jesus saying during this time. I encourage you to go in and take a look at those. But Jesus' last words are recorded as words that we have heard before. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Of those things we have talked about and read about in this podcast, what do we consider from a scientific perspective? Well, the teachings of Jesus themselves have great value, of immense value, of all value, and they are worth listening to. The logic of Jesus' statements, the memory of Jesus' statements by those who record the words for us, the actions of the population, of the religious authorities, of the Roman authorities are all valid, are all known public reactions to what would have been happening at this time. The recorded activities and practices and policies and events that happened associated with Jesus' teaching these last few days are all known from archaeological and historical evidence. The Romans had these policies, they had these practices, and they did them. The Jewish leaders of the day had these policies, had these practices, and they did them. Combined together, that helps us understand the truth of what the Bible is telling us here. And we can have confidence in the words recorded from Jesus as being part of that truth. There is 
nothing so far that we have discussed that is not practical and within our realm of understanding. So we can believe that these things happened. We will talk in a future podcast a little more about this, but from a scientific perspective, consider that thousands upon thousands of people knew these events and knew they had happened. And then we can consider the documented writings of Josephus about the fact that this happened. So, of all the teaching that we have discussed to date for Jesus, it is all something that we can believe. And because of its historicity and what has been recorded and the billions of believers since that time, we can believe too. Thank you, and I will look for you in our next podcast.